road again Just can't wait to get on the road again Road again Road, 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 road Hold up It's me, Big Greg Doug. And you know, two things I love, the open road and freedom. But if there's one thing I love more than freedom, and that's if you were to leave a five-star rating on your podcast app for this podcast, or you could leave a nice review and say something nice like, I like this podcast. Now, I know, of course, what you're thinking is, Doug, of course you like that more than freedom. But what do you love more than the open road? Well, the only thing I could love more than the open road would be if you were to share this podcast with your CB radio or on your social media with all your friends or maybe even with your cell phone to just one friend. All those things would make me so happy. Well, until then, I'm back on the open road. Please enjoy the episode. My guest today is Amy Fusselman. Amy is the author of five books. Her latest, The Means, is her first novel. Fusselman's previous four books, all nonfiction, have been translated into several languages. Her work has been nominated for the Believer Book Award and the University of Iowa's Krauss Essay Prize. Her articles and essays have appeared in the New York Times, The Atlantic, The Washington Post, Ms., Art News. I could go on and on and on, but... You didn't come here to listen to me go on and on and on. You came here to listen to Amy. So what's up, Amy? Oh, man. that, that Thank you for that. So WWE. I feel like, are, <laughs> who's who am I fighting? That was awesome. That, that is exactly where <laughs> I got my inspiration for how I do introductions. Cool. Yeah. Well, you learn from the masters. Of, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just read your book. Awesome. And first of all, I liked it so much. And thank you so much for sending it to me. I was... So excited. When I got it in the mail, I just yelled, present! <laughs> as, as it should be. As it should be. I just right? want all my all my neighbors to know when I get cool stuff or when I yeah, get uh, books in the yeah. mail. Yeah, books are fun. They are. I wrote uh, a little interview for you, and a lot of it is about your book. So mm -hmm. just for everybody uh, listening, I'm just going to read just a little tiny uh, part of the back of the book just to give them an idea before I just dive in. And they're like, what is this guy talking about? So. Right here at the top, it says, the debut novel from wholly original Vogue memoirist, oh, wait, memoirist, sorry, Amy Fossilman, a tragic comic family saga that skewers contemporary issues of money, motherhood, and class through a well-to-do woman's quest to buy a Hamptons beach house. That's a, that's a mouthful there. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's, it throws you off a little bit. I had no idea what I was getting into. I know. Book. Good. Yeah, exactly. We just like throw a lot of words out there and then hope you just, you know, it's like you got an army crawl your way in. Yeah. I wonder if that was like, was that part of your intention for like people to read the back of the book and be like, okay, this is what it is. <laughs> and then get halfway through and there's like, what you know, the fuck? She, she's having conversations with her dog and her dog is like telepathic or I mean, I, yeah, yeah, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, I, no, yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. Fair yeah. warning. I will. I will be flirting with spoilers, but there's no for real spoilers in here. Oh, well, I'm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm going to interview you, too, though. I have some questions. So oh, okay. we have a, okay. we have a lot of stuff to cover. OK, but yeah. I mean, book marketing is, you know is an art and um yeah i just i'm like i'm trying to writing the book is my job so 
I'm grateful when it's finished. And um, yeah. Yeah. Well, then the, and that's when the, <laughs> the second job starts because now you've got to explain to everyone the book. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you, you hit it. It's a tragicomic novel about a crazy lady who wants to build a beach house out of garbage. What's not intriguing about that? Honestly, I got more and more intrigued <laughs> as I went along. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm going to say that starting off right here, this is such a trope for a podcaster to ask a question this long. I promise it's the only just really long question, but I'm just kind of I'm just kind of trying to like do a little world building to okay. set the tone here. And then after that, everything else just is bullet points. But <laughs> I'm just going to dive into the one very long typical podcaster question. And uh, it was that, uh, you know, I felt like so much of this book is about uh, different people's relationship to money. And the main character, Shelly, has a financially privileged life. And philosophically, I feel like I don't pity someone that is having difficulty buying a second home. But uh, throughout the book, I'm constantly enraged by people that I perceive as wealthier than her. Uh, if that makes sense. And so, so I start to question, you know, what is my relationship to money? Then if I'm getting mad, you know, mad at anyone that I feel is wealthier than her, even though I feel like she's wealthy enough. And am I just another person that wants to be rich and ethical at the same time? So I'm, you know, these, I'm starting to like question uh, myself. And was that at all your intention for readers to, to go on a little head trip like that, to start oh, having their totally. own? Totally. <laughs> My work is done. My work is done. Thank you so much, Doug. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, Shelly, the character of Shelly is such a delight because she's so like, she's bananas you know she's she's driven like a lot of us are who want things and um you know so her desire is that she wants this beach house that she can't quite afford and so essentially she's just it's just sort of one horror show after another in terms of how she's going to try to get this thing bill you know which which actually has a lot of parallels with the writing process I, <laughs> I I've discovered but um yeah like how do you how is she going to do this what is you know I really wanted to write something that investigated money in a way I hadn't seen before a lot of people or a lot you know it's not like a favorite topic you know for memoirists or or novelists so much and um I wanted to investigate it while having a character that was simultaneously you know you could understand that she wanted something and you would could also see what she was up against and it wasn't it wasn't poverty but it was like a whole other batshit you know bunch of systems which i think is true essentially you know wherever you are on the scale like the, the systems that benefit the very rich are just as insane as the systems that, you know, penalize the very poor. It's, yeah. it, I mean, the whole thing <clears throat> is nuts. So I wanted to bring that kind of energy to it. Um, and there's a, a nice touch that I noticed. Uh, so, so Shelly and her husband, uh, they met in college. They're both like literature majors and they both are huge fans of Charles Dickens. And so, and it comes up frequently that, you know, She's like, hey, this is this isn't like Oliver Twist at all, which is, you know, it, but that's that is a story of extreme poverty and so on and so forth. And, you know, it's complex, but she's living in the, you know, she, in, she comes from more humble means, but now she's uh, wealthier, but it's still just uh, spider webs of, you know, red tape and bullshit she has to go through to, <laughs> to try and achieve her dream. Was that kind of why Charles Dickens is in the book? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Charles Dickens has a funny place in our culture. I mean, obviously, he's a master and I I love his I love his work, no question. But um I do think that it's funny how Oliver Twist is like I live in New York City. I'm a few blocks from Times Square, you know. It feels like Oliver the musical is like every time I turn around there's another iteration of Oliver <laughs> like he's just so deep in our culture this little starving you know child with his bowl and yeah and, and yet these you know the you know these chimney sweeps and the rest of it they're also they're it's like it's it's performance poverty it is I mean that's what the play is that's um not to say this about Dickens work but like just in the culture this sort of idea of like an impoverished singing child this kind of like I wanted to just have that sort of insane like 
um, it's almost like a meme. It operates in the books in in a way like a meme, just like a kind of little bit of insanity that keeps coming back. Because I feel like that's part of what floats, you know, when you start really talking about money, like it, it's one of those images that just comes up. Yeah. And I, the, the, speaking of images, there's uh, there's a scene in the book where a raccoon has caused some havoc on their property and uh, cut itself. It's bleeding everywhere. They don't know. They don't know that there's blood everywhere yet, but on the way they're thinking that they're going to be like the, the fun loving chimney sweeps from Charles Dickens. And then when they get there, they realize it's disgusting to clean up raccoon blood and everything. And so they're just like, well, let's hire someone else. So totally. it's like, so they couldn't totally. be, they couldn't be further from like a Dickensian like reality. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, the, yeah, the truth hurts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's, let's hire that out. Yeah. Let's farm that out. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I guess, ethics, I kind of, I feel like we're kind of going into that realm right now is, uh, this will seem kind of from uh, out of left field to everyone that hasn't read the book, but is it okay for a therapist to sell their clients real estate? Is <laughs> is that not a, a breach of of some code? Yeah, yeah. I have the yeah yeah. She's one of my favorite. I think she's my one of my favorite characters in the book. Alice the uh, is the um she's Shelley Shelley the main character's CBT therapist. And she decides to like, she's going to take this route. She's a hustler. Like Alice is a major hustler. And if you know any brokers, like I've, you know, not to like stereotype, but the brokers that I know are, they have to hustle. Like it's, a, it's like serious yeah. that that job is like, you cannot, you know, sleep on that job. So um, Shelly, I mean, Alice is like a hardcore hustler and she decides that she's, you know, she's just trying to make income however she can. So she does, she gets, you know, her broker's license and she starts to do real estate gigs on the side, which is something, uh, you know, it like I know, you know, women, middle-aged women, which I am one, like do a lot of that. The brokering is sort of a popular like side thing. And um yeah, I don't think it's ethical at all. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, she's sort of do doing these like sessions in her car, like on speakerphone and yeah. like, you know, but it but it's interesting to me because I feel like a real estate broker and um, not not a CBT therapist. I mean, not to go too far in the weeds with this, but like therapy in general and what a broker does are similar, like in the sense that, you know, people who are doing major financial transactions, which is what a real estate deal is, like are frequently feeling like very vulnerable and they, you know, they are out of their minds and they, they behave very badly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so a lot of a broker's job is to calm people the fuck down, you know, so they can get the deal done and, um, you know, just try to shepherd people through their anxieties and things like that. And obviously therapy is, you know, very similar in the sense that you're trying to help people like, you know, take a deep breath and see how things are related and like function better in their lives. And so Alice as a character, like makes good use of her CBT background in order to um, enrich herself. Yeah. As, yeah. A, bro as a broker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say that, you know, that, that felt very real to me though. Yeah. Just like you were just saying that like a lot of people, you know, people uh, get to a middle-aged place and like their, um, their primary job is not making them the, the money they want to make and real estate's obviously where it's at. So, but yeah. Uh, right. In 2022, mate. Yeah. In some places. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, at least yeah, here in Nashville, that's, I mean, Oh this, yeah. This, is, this place has literally just been a construction site for the past 10 years. It just mm -hmm. doesn't stop. Okay. I just wanted to ask it. I just, I, I mean, I, I knew I, I, I got it, but at the same time I was like, how unethical is that? <laughs> oh yeah. It's totally unethical. There's some people, people behave very badly in my book <laughs> like, yeah. everybody's hustling people you know there's people are taking bribes people are like you know but I mean not to be too jaded about it but I uh I do feel like this is kind of you know there's a lot of this in the world I mean I hate to break it to you Doug I know <laughs> I know I listened to I listened to that podcast so uh this oh, which, be which one was that um, it was the one with your friend who was like your restaurant worker. I have to talk to you about this, the lobster pizza phase. I really oh, want to know more yeah. about this. We're, uh, we're, I'm thinking about having him back on to review oh, the good. bear. Oh, cool. Yeah, because I was really intrigued by your um, Guy Fieri uh, <laughs> yeah, breakdown, your, guy, yeah, your, your uh, analysis. 
I have anyway. since uh, learned to appreciate Guy Fieri. I think every I think there's a come I think we're having a come to Jesus moment about Guy. I really do. Yeah. I I feel like he's he's been so like hated that now he's loved. Like he's really coming back around. That that does happen. Where the, yeah. yeah where it I, does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I you know you gotta admire that. I do. I mean, I hope he's not a pedophile, but like I like oh, I, yeah. Well... <laughs> I, yeah, but I but I like um I, I must say I admire that in him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I was I was thinking about um your lobster pizza phase and uh restaurants and where where was I going with this? Oh yeah. Yeah, grift and um, you know, there's a lot of grift in restaurants. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, I mean in every industry, I'm sure, but I feel like the people I've known in restaurants like it's pervasive. That's yeah, that's one of the that's why we were talking about possibly reviewing the bear. Because mm. it, it it's so triggering to like if you've worked in those kind of kitchens where everyone's screaming and it's just it, oh god so I couldn't I couldn't stand it mm. uh, fine dine fine dine cooking was not not for me. Do you consider like barbecue is that fine dining? Do you have a, I've been to Nashville. I had a great time. I know you have excellent food there. Oh, uh, what I mean is like the, those kind of kitchens where you have a chef yeah. that that like will like a militant chef. Mm -hmm. and that's just i don't have the uh personality for that to put up with that mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah that's, so yeah kind of like what you're saying with so many of the jobs i've had I, i've had jobs where when someone disrespects me i just quit you're I'm like, like i'm can, out yeah i'm well, like i can yeah. replace this job today <laughs> good for you well i was gonna ask you actually about the title of this podcast i was like i like that you're just gonna go uh it's like okay this is it it's mine you're st i'm stamping it yeah well, yeah. I kind of well. It's originally it was stolen from everyone's like so many people's uh, Twitter mm -hmm. bios yeah, and and uh, so so forth. Like people that have jobs where they do have to be concerned about what their employer thinks, or you know. Mm -hmm. So everyone's like, my views are my own. They're not the views of my employer. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought that was catchy like, and an easy thing to steal. <laughs> and now good. it's mine. Nobody can else yeah. can take it now. There you go. Exactly. Good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, you have an eclectic, interesting lineup here. I'm honored that you chose me to be a guest. Oh, well, thank. I'm honored that you chose to be a guest. <laughs> hey, but uh, speaking of uh, like uh, you know, moving away from like you know the restaurant work world and back into these more high finance jobs, this is a a question. I this is one of the things that I found like really fascinating that was in the book, and also that I, like I said felt real. Uh, like I said earlier, and it's that you you know you've got this high priced lawyer who also believes he's a shaman and there's a wall street trader that also believes she's a psychic and she does tarot readings and like i said these characters feel feel very real to me like i've met these kind of people a lot of these kind of people people that are you know that have a lot of money and they're you know they have high pressure high finance jobs and they're type a personalities but at the same time they're into this mystical shit and they're all like oh no i'm, I'm also a psychic and i also do tarot readings and i also am a shaman and and, and, and in no way it was this absurd to me uh, oh yeah <laughs> oh no oh no so, I, that's good and bad well i was gonna so i don't know if, if it, i mean I, I don't know if for you if these are based on a lot of people that you actually encountered no okay well <laughs> no i mean the characters are are definitely made up yeah this is a that this is what makes it a novel is the the characters are crafted. I mean, I I do have a shipping container beach house in oh, nice. the Hamptons. Yeah, so it's rooted in biography in that sense. Like, I I know what it's like to build a house out of shipping containers. But um, my experience, you know, building a house was pretty straightforward and uh, boring. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. you but did, I you, did, you didn't have like a a Manhattan lawyer saging the. Yeah, the, the property a, and um yeah, really but it was <laughs> yeah, but I definitely when the project started, I was thinking about that I wanted to write something that was overtly like I wanted to try to write something humorous and I wanted to try to write something about money. And it felt like this uh would make a really good comic premise. So I took it as that and then I peopled it with, you know, my imagination. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I actually forgot to even ask the question that I was uh, prefacing just now. And I think mm -hmm. you got to it a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and ask anyway. And that's just that, uh, what is your opinion about wealthy professionals that are drawn to mysticism? 
Ooh, well, um, I love a good mystic, like every, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, why are we here? What is the point of it all? I mean, I love all that stuff. So I guess it's like, um, you know, I'm, I don't know. I think that money in a way is its own religion and um, making money is religion. I love those. I mean, what is the finance, the advisor guys? Who's that guy? Tony Robbins, all that stuff. It's like very there's a whole aura, you know, of um, spirituality around uh, wealth, you know, increasing wealth. Oh, man. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about those. Um, those. I, I mean, there's so many. I hope I get to write like a second book on I mean I hope there's a sequel because there's so many things I didn't hit like that's yeah. the now that the book is done I'm like oh my god I seriously forgot like the art auction scene like what's wrong with me but like um like Creflo Dollar like you can't like this like he's one of those like uh preachers like uh income preachers or I don't know how to say that but like wealth you know yeah um church guys and it's just like oh my god they're amazing those guys are amazing creflo dollar i couldn't have come you can't come up with a better name than that <laughs> creflo, creflo. c-r-e-f-l-o is like genius that is yeah. a genius name yeah i mean it's it's almost a good a good rap name but it's a little uh, too ugh. yeah yeah <laughs> well, that's I guess it. I, no you had no creflo dollar is my rap name that's it yeah <laughs> i was just gonna say uh Oh yeah, with with the worship of like you're saying the the religion of money. That's why you know you have someone like Elon Musk, who in most ways is just a goofus, you know, and just not someone that you should look up to. And if you and if he was broke, no one would. But because he currently has hoarded so much wealth, <laughs> he has you know legions of uh, you know worshippers, and you know the people he can do no wrong in their eyes just because like the wealth they see that as. Uh, I don't know. Like that's, that's his character. That's, mm. uh, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, he's almost, yeah. He's like, it's if Oliver twist, like, you know, grew up and won the lotto, I wonder, you know, it's like, I wonder <laughs> if that's who he'd become. It's interesting. I mean, well, the thing is that they actually, they tax you if you win the lottery. That's uh, one yeah. of my favorite things was the person, the last person that won the lottery and they, they won like over a billion dollars. Oh my and they were saying, this is the first time a billionaire has ever been taxed appropriately because they taxed the uh, lotto winner and they came away with like 400 million and the wow. US took way more than that. They took like 700 million. So, wow. um, <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. lotto laws, man. Yeah. They need, yeah. <laughs> they got to get those, those attorneys in there. Yeah. That's funny. I, I, yeah, it's like a, I mean, that's one thing I like about the main character in this is that, um, or not, I mean, like is the wrong word that I, I wanted to have her have a center like that her desire was not something um, insane. Like she really just wants a beach house so she can be in her mind, like a beach house is the place where she's going to fucking like exhale, you know, yeah. like I feel like everybody understands that. Imp I, I certainly do like understands that impulse to just have a place in the world where you can let go. And what whether that looks like a shipping container beach house or your like you know 26 room estate in you know Miami Beach or whatever like people i think it's a human need to want to have like a safe place and so even though it, this is a comedy that's like built around how you know the insanity of money like her shell what's driving shelly is still like i think a human um, and and an ethical in a way, and an ethical thing. It's like she wants home. Yeah. Um, the stuff that's driving Elon Musk to, you know, do like half the shit that he's doing. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure is so sympathetic. You know what I mean? Well, I consider a lot of. I mean, obviously, you can. You, you said you've listened to this podcast before, so you know, mm -hmm. I definitely lean over on the left. So and yeah. I have, and I have a very, very strong opinion of basically anyone that's a billionaire i find i feel like it's virtually impossible to to be an ethical billionaire i don't think yes. that you can do both things and yeah. you, and you get into that with the book you know because shelly is uh she does deal with like feelings of guilt with unhoused people and and she's like why do i get to have two houses you know and then her dog is telling her like well why don't you just give all your money away if you care exactly <laughs> exactly i know the dog is the moral center i think we can say that i mean you know, as they are, I don't know. I have to ask Doug, do you have a dog? I do have a dog. 
Of I love my dog do. more than anything in the world. It's my I'm telling you, <laughs> what is your dog's name? I have to know. Ella. Aw, what Her, kind? She is a mutt. Uh, yeah. Well, I got her from. So she came from the Humane Association. Here, here's the story behind her name. Okay. I, that's not wasn't so. She came home from the pound, the Humane Association, and her name was Stella. They, she already had a name, and uh, which I was fine with. But then my one of my best friends, uh, he would had been in the hospital having uh, his his uh, girlfriend was having a baby, and you know, obviously, I, I hadn't talked to him while he was there. And he texted me and he's like, brand new baby girl. We named her Stella. And I was like, shit. I was like, dude, I can't be like, dude, my brand new dog's name is Stella. Like, I just felt like it was. <laughs> what a good friend you are. That's a so, very good friend. Well, yeah. and, you know, dogs are very adaptable. And especially, you know, she was only like a year old. So Aww. I was like, dude, if I just start calling her Ella, yeah, it'll take no time at all for her to just accept that's her name. And it did right away. So that oh. is the story of Ella. It was because my friend's <laughs> newborn <laughs> child had the same name as the dog that I had just adopted. <laughs> That's awesome. That is a great story. Yeah. Oh, uh, before I lose this, this thought, I just wanted to bring it up. It, it's because it's it was reading about Shelly made me think of this. Uh, it's from the Sonic Youth album that I used to listen to all the time when I was a kid. And it's, it's a sample. I don't know where the sample originally came from, but it's this... Uh, you know, this voice comes in like in the middle of the song and it's like, all your dreams will come true. All my dreams came true, but now I have other dreams. And that's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love that. And I don't I, know I, this. Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was, I was just, just ah. Ah. <laughs> you, I was going to say that, that I am philosophically like I'm always in that kind of place. Like you were saying, you know, it's like almost of a you know, Shelly's in a little bit of a treadmill situation because she's like, she's running to get the beach house. That's where happiness will lie. But, you know, we all know that that there's always going to be the next thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is that sort of, you know, um, there. I mean, there's a Buddhist leaning to it a little bit of like, you know, the hell of wanting and, you know, I mean, I think that's um, consumerism has sadly, you know, shown us like, the depths of that hell but yeah that's definitely operating because it operates in real life like big time i want shit right now i want <laughs> more shit doug like yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to I, there was there's a new term that i've kind of became familiar with uh called eco marxism and i don't fully understand but I, but I think it might be a place that i fit in a little bit but not entirely because I am a consumer, but there are, there are so many tenets of it that really do speak to me. And that's, you know, that uh, the reason that it's Mark eco Marxism is that, you, you know, the belief that uh, a river has rights uh, mm. ju just, so, just as much as a human should have rights. So should a river, uh, a oh, grizzly, a grizzly bear has rights. A wolf has rights. A sea turtle has rights, you know, and, and it's our responsibility as the stewards of this planet and the caretakers of this planet to make sure that their rights are protected. That's kind of you where list, I, I love oh. that. A, I love that. B, you listed animals. No, you listed a river and animals. Is it is that philosophy extend to objects as well, or just um, things in the natural things in the environment? It would it would only extend to the natural world. So I mean, got it. Yeah. And, and, and as much as you mean a thing, like I would say, yeah, a mountain has rights. It has. Yeah. The, a mountain has the right not to have the top blown off of it so that humans can scavenge all the coal out of it. And mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, do you, I, were you asking me if I mean like, would that extend to a car or like, yeah, my, my bottle of vitamin water. I mean, I guess that was it. Like how, how, how far does that spread? I love that philosophy though. And it reminds me of, um, well, it's not quite the same, but it's like animism, like that sort of Japanese philosophy that, you know, objects have spirits and everything's sentient. And like, that's definitely where, you know, my, I do believe we live in a world that that's spirit, that's conscious. I mean, I've always felt that way. So I love that philosophy. I think it's beautiful. Have you seen Spirited Away? Ah, oh, I have. It's been it's been played many times here in my house. I have three kids, and I have not watched it. It's it's yes, it's terrible. Well, it does. It, it has a lot of really cool. It, it touches on a lot of that, and and one of the main things is that is there is a river spirit. Mm -hmm. So 
it is the animism type thing where it's like the river is not just water for mm-hmm. us to pollute. The river is alive and it has a it has its own spirit and it's uh, signified by a dragon in that film. Who's the pod? Who's the podcaster shaman right now, Doug? That's you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a little shaman in all of us once we start. Yeah. Once we dig. I kind of I thought of myself as like like the punk rock podcaster, because like the way I started this Mm -hmm. whole thing was the same way I started any punk band I've ever been in. Where it's just like the very the most minimal amount of uh like I went to a pawn shop and got my that's my my not the microphone I'm using now. This is actually nice and was given to me by a great friend. But when I first started, I went to a pawn shop and got my audio interface. That's where I got the microphone I was originally using. I was using like a busted laptop that barely, you know, <laughs> like everything is punk rock as possible. Mm-hmm. But this is just something I just I just kept sticking with it. And I guess maybe I'm not you know how punk bands eventually have to go pop maybe i'm going pop yeah <laughs> i like it i like it that's a great metaphor i totally relate to that i i relate to that i love that sort of i mean i was in a punk band also that's um with my now husband but um i love that just the aesthetic and i was thinking about that today because i was thinking about ramen and i, I was thinking about your restaurant work and i was like I want to talk to Doug about ramen because I that's how I got turned on to ramen as I went to this restaurant here in the city that was like in a basement and my husband Frank and I went down there and it was like it was so punk rock it was just like you know not even Blade Runner it was just like it was like we it was like we were eating in like a like a like a dirty shipping container like and and the guy exactly like he took this piece of pork out and like heated it with like a butane blowtorch and my jaw was just like on the counter like this is the best food I've ever had like and it's either it's one of those things that I mean you either relate to that as a as a valid method of making do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or you're just like, that's fucking gross. And for me, that's something that is just hugely appealing. Just like, I'm going to make something out of garbage. And that, yeah. and that, <laughs> and that's why, like, I mean, that part of Shelly, I definitely relate to. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that you can keep punk rock alive in so many ways, even when, yeah, when you get even in, even in the consumer world, because yeah, like, even constructing a house, which is like what sounds like a pretty unpunk rock thing to do, <laughs> but you know, what do you if you're going to build it out of like crazy old shipping containers and you know, and especially when you're taking the environment into consideration to be eco friendly? So I don't know. Yeah, totally. Show show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So what I was, uh, I this actually before I go fully over to this shipping container stuff because I do have questions and I. I was unaware you actually have mm-hmm. your very own shipping container house. So you'll be able to answer these questions even better than I thought. I mean, I, I was sure you had researched, but I didn't know you had personal mm-hmm. experience. But before we go and that, back to the like the money thing. So we were talking okay. about everyone's people's relationship to money and is it toxic, you know, or like, is your guilt wrong to, you know, to be like, is it wrong for me to have more than someone else? Am I not doing enough? And this is straight from the pages of the book mm-hmm. is that Shelly's father you know, he had a good job, but he's so frugal, he saves every nickel uh, until he dies, basically. Mm-hmm. And unlike Shelly, who appears to be kind of a constant spender, uh, do you feel like on a spectrum, you know, going one way or another of treating money is one way or is, is there a way that you would lean? You think that you that you personally think is better? Just your opinion on that. Like, oh, my God. Well, is it better my... to be a little bit of a spender or more of a hoarder? <laughs> well, I have, I mean, my, my adi- personal, my personal attitudes about money are shaped around the fact that I have a family and I have kids. So if I didn't have children, I, I think I would be like completely different. But once they, you know, entered my life, then you do, I have become like, you know, <sighs> what, what are these poor kids going to do? You know, yeah. like what the world's on fire? Like, what the fuck? Like how many, you know, so I, I do um, just for me, like I would suppose like all my money angst is now like basically transferred to lumped into my like worries about my, my kids. So 
if I didn't have kids, I'd probably just be like a friggin' nut job, but <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's been such a powerful, like shaping force, but maybe I wouldn't be, I don't know. It's really hard to tell. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, certainly it's a grounding force to have, mm. uh, human beings dependent on you for their survival and, <laughs> yeah. and, and their entire future. So yeah, you know, that's when I asked that question, I, or even when I was thinking about asking you that question, I was like, it's almost like the Dr. Strange universe where everything splits off into a million different fragments. Right. It's, it's so subjective. It's like, yeah, if I didn't have kids and I didn't give a shit about anything, then yeah. I, would... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And you have to, I mean, maybe there's something like that's kind of, you know, you go on Instagram and you see insane people like showing you their jewelry or whatever. And it's like, there's some pleasure in just watching people be so like, I got a new ex, you know, because it's, uh, it's like, who doesn't like a new ex, you know, there's some kind of, you know, we're just wired for that, like novelty thing. But um, in terms of the, I mean, I guess what you're asking is, are you asking about it ethically? I mean, it's tricky. It's so yeah. tricky. Yeah. You know, now that now that the question is out of my mouth and in the universe, I already realized that I have, I have personally have no way to answer it. Like, <laughs> so if, if you had, if you had turned that on me and asked me the question, I would be like, well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I really I love that. Um, the Twix, the dog in the book, like turns to Shelly and asks her that. I think that I I I felt like that was one of the more important questions in the book of just like, well, why don't you give all your money away? Like, what's the fucking problem? <laughs> you know, yeah. and it is like to me, like, well, why don't we do that? Like, what is you know, uh, like what's stopping us? Like, actually, nothing. You know yeah. what I mean? There's no law that you can't give all your money away. I mean, like people in again back to religion, you know, take the vow of poverty all the time. Like, what, um what's this crazy, like hoarding, like piling, like grabbing, like, what the fuck is this, you know, and we're supposed to make like a, you know, like a regular life out of this and call this like normal behavior. Like, it's just, I don't know. I had a good time, like thinking about all this stuff with this book. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, going back to what I was saying earlier, like it's, it's uh, the same as with uh, pollution where, you mm -hmm. know, when, when these corporations, you know, in a, especially the fossil fuel industry, was trying to push this idea that if you stopped using plastic straws, that you personally can make any kind of difference, and that you know mm. you you need to do this, you need to recycle, you need to drive a, a, a UV. And bottom line, it, those corporations are like they produce more waste as just you know as a single entity than everyone else does together. Oh, so, totally. So, yeah. what, you know, what are you doing? You give away all your money that you've just put yourself in this line of fire. You know, like you, you explained it in the book a little bit too, like with extreme poverty, how the punishments, there's a punishments for being extremely uh, poor. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, big, big deal down here. Like, I, you know, I'm not, I don't live in Alabama, but I live close. Mm -hmm. And it was recently the UN declared Alabama the, uh, the worst poverty in the developed world. Is wow. Alabama, and a lot of wow. it's because of their insane laws and how what they do to the people. So, we, so you're poor, you get punished for being poor. Mm -hmm. Then you end up in the system. You go to jail. While you're in jail, they charge you rent. You have to pay rent to be in jail, but you're not making any money because you're in jail. They charge you for your food. So you're so you get out of jail. You know you were you were in poverty when you went in. You come out in poverty and debt, mm. and it's just this insane cycle. So, yeah. I guess what I'm trying to get at is what needs to happen is something on a much larger scale than me giving away all my money because I'm not going to make a bit of difference. Right. I mean, it would have to be, you know, well, but, but I mean, I think there's, there's like an interesting situation in that in the sense that, you know, you can say like, what's the point of doing it if we can't do it on a massive scale? Like what does, you know, grandma's like one you know putting her plastic milk jug in the recycling every week like what the fuck does that actually do nothing but at the same time like we're individuals you know you have to I mean I think there's sort of a brutal um I'm getting back to the issue of ethics like a kind of brutal question you have to ask and answer for oneself of like how do I want to live you know how am I going to live in this fucked up situation and Shelly 
is like really trying to balance with like z- negative tools, like zero tools. <laughs> like yeah. she doesn't really understand finance, like, or how the fuck her checkbook <laughs> works, you know, but she's <laughs> like, she wants to do the right thing. And she wants a beach house. Like yeah. she's basically fucked, you know, <laughs> like, like there, you can't really, you can't, you can't, you know, but. um, it's, And it's hard not to be in that dilemma to be. Yeah. In, right. Cause you want to do the right thing and you want what you want. Mm-hmm. And those don't always align or, you know, when it comes to uh, capitalism, it can practically never align. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the thing that I think is interesting or was interesting in the writing was just that like, there's so many transactions, financial transactions that I go through in a day that I'm like, you know, I'm completely on autopilot. Like I can't think about it. Like there's, you know, my, I'm sure you too, like your to-do list is like a hundred things long. You're not going to think about the way that you're buying like Ritz crackers or whatever it is, but you know, but it all is hooked up. It's all connected to other shit. Like it actually does, you know, you do leave a footprint, like no matter what you do, whether you're conscious of it or not. So like, just to peel back the layers a little bit of what the fuck's actually happening when you're trying to buy a house or especially, I mean, the Hamptons is rife, you know, of course, because it's like the billionaire playground or whatever the fuck, but like, even out there, there's strata of like, well, yeah. the, we live in the <laughs> shitty part of the Hamptons, you know, yeah. like, what does that actually mean? You know, well, it's all fucking stolen from the Native Americans. Like, who? I mean, what are we talking about when you name your house like, you know, Broadmoor or whatever the fuck? Like, it's just it's or, banana- or naming your house, period, period. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's um. You know, you're making me think of this, uh, this theory that it's uh, it's why people believe that the white working class of America never uh, really engages like fully in a workers movement that could, you know, create more justice, uh, tax these billionaires, protect more land, so on and so forth. And that's because the white working class, however, you know, poor they may be on the strata compared to the ruling class, they are inextricably allied to capitalism because they take part in the same exploitation of people that are even more marginalized in this country, uh, indigenous people, uh, other minorities, and then even to a greater extent in other countries, uh, developing countries where people are exploited to a degree that we never even see here. That if you mm-hmm. were to go over there and see it, you know, like face to face, it would it would horrify you. So yeah. that is that's why we you know we the we the white working class we are allied with capitalism against everyone that we oppress unconsciously or just right yeah exactly i mean it was it was a um it was a choice to to put the issue of like with this shipping container home and it was something that you know of course i was aware of as we were doing it. it was like we were we were my family and i were like looking into doing this project and it was like well this was a few years ago and it was a time when it was there was that thing in Britain with the, like the people who had died in the tractor trailer that was like in the news. I don't know if you, I can't remember it exactly, but it was really, it was like, Holy fuck. Like these things are like, I'm building this like death, you know, what kind (laughs) of image is this? You know, this is like fucked up. This is like migrants die in these things. Like what the fuck beach house is this, you know? Yeah. And um, I felt like it was valid to put it in the book just as like a, yeah, that's part of it. You know, that is part of it. You're like, uh, you're, you know, your cyberpunk housing thing has a shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Shelly wants a story because uh, uh, her, her architect uh, is obtaining the shipping containers for her to build the house. And she's, she wants a cool story. She wants to, be like she like she rescued the shipping containers as though she rescued a, a an animal from the mm-hmm. you know from the pound uh and then she's like hey this one had cat food in it and she's like not good enough and she's like this one had chicken nuggets she's like not good enough and then she's like well this one had shelves and you know, <laughs> it's exactly. like what's, what story did like yeah it's uh how good can the story be because it, it can only really get darker from there yeah right, <laughs> right like good yeah the like the good i mean yeah, that was really, I was thinking a lot about the idea of, um, you know, what makes a product likable? Um, what makes it, you know, more appealing? Like the backstory, the backstory, the backstory. And certainly, you know, this is true 
in writing as well. It's for podcasters. I mean, if you were like, this is Doug McDonald who like, you know, crawled across Antarctica on his, you know, hands and knees and is now here bringing us a podcast. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's always, it's always, you know, it's like, oh, that's amazing. Like, it's always more enticing. So this whole idea of like, um, you know, what makes it better is like, in some ways worse. And I do want to uh, slide back to the shipping containers for just one second. Yeah. Because uh, like, like I said, uh, Shelly's architect is designing a shipping container house because, you know, primarily it's more cost efficient. Mm -hmm. But it also makes Shelly feel better because it's a more eco-friendly construct and that alleviates some of her guilt that's attached to buying to building a beach house in the first place. Uh, and really, this is my question is uh, how is a shipping container house eco-friendly? Mm, right. Well, I think the, um, you know, the idea that Shelly's buying is that it's, re it's recycled, you know, it's not a, it's not a new shipping container. So, you know, is it better if you buy your jeans at the Salvation Army? Yeah, there's a, there's a narrative there that, you know, is true. Like there isn't going to be a tree is not going to fall for Shelly's beach house. Like, you know, it crawled, it was used to, you know, drag shelves from, Taiwan to Boston, you know, so that's what she's buying into. Okay. It's just that there's no new building materials really going into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, and mean, I assume that that's, it's, it's a, probably an energy, energy efficient design. Or, well, or... yeah. I mean, not, you know, they have, it has to be like, it, you know, insulated and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, it's, it, if you were to just to live in spare shipping container, it's not, that would not be fun. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like we actually, I feel like I already know what the answer to this is because we've discussed her therapist a little bit and her dog quite a bit. And I was definitely giving shout outs to Twix for being a socialist dog. Yeah. Uh, Shelly has a lot of conversations with her dog and I think that's fine. I like it's like, I do that. That's what I was doing before I was talking to you. I was talking <laughs> to my dog. I, I, I mostly sing her songs. I just make up songs all day long for her. Aww, but, uh, <laughs> that's adorable. Uh, do you think uh, she's maybe getting more out of talking to her dog than to her therapist? Oh, totally. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> not, to, not to knock therapists, but I mean, dogs are the bomb, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like any dogs are like an argument for like why. I mean, you were talking about um you know the eco philosophy and the idea that like rivers are sentient like understanding the wisdom of your dog is recognizing that like other kinds of consciousness are genius you know that's my view my dog's yeah. a total genius absolutely yeah there's so many things that, that, that are therapeutic too because I, I i don't know all these figures offhand or anything but there's like uh that being around a dog i mean of course not if you you know some people don't like dogs or fear dogs but just mm. let's just say you're a dog person. It like lowers your blood pressure, like all kinds of like, you have like physiological uh, occur, you know, things occur in your body from being around a dog. But <laughs> I was, uh, I was actually just got pulled over by the state troopers a couple of days ago. Oh no. I had, well, I, fortunately I had my dog. She kept, ah! she kept me calm in, oh. the, in the situation. Well, it, it got a little tense for a second. Cause she didn't like, it was, a, you know, there was an aggressive man, you know, essentially barking yeah. at me through the window. Right. So, she didn't, so she was growling and barking. I was like, "Oh, chill. You got to stop. Is this, I don't know what this guy might do, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to say that it was one of the most, uh, one of the smoothest police interactions I've had ever. And I think it was just because my dog was there. Do you think so. it was because the dog was aggressive or because she was there calming you down? Um, I think it's going back to when you were saying, when we were talking about money and, and you know, your kids. Yeah. It's the idea that they're, that that dog is completely dependent on me and mm -hmm. so it's yeah. not just me and this rude cop it's me and a my dog who yeah if this guy drags me out of the car and hauls me off to jail for right. mouthing off she's gonna be in a hot car by herself yeah so you had to keep it together for her oh that's awesome yeah. I mean, in, in the moment i'm not thinking all the you know it's not like those aren't fully no. informed thoughts it's no, just, no 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 yeah in retrospect i was like maybe that's what was going on was my paternal instinct yeah. for my dog <laughs> yeah it's instinctual it's absolutely instinctual yeah that's cool yeah I mean, they got... bring out oh good no you, you I, go i was just gonna say they bring out the best in us what were I... you yeah oh i was gonna say that we are getting dangerously close to the lightning round oh cool but before we started you had said that there was a couple questions you wanted to ask me so i, I am i can uh 
if there's anything that you didn't get to yet, I can uh, forgo the lightning round for a moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was intrigued. I wanted to ask you, when you were talking to your friend, the restaurant worker, and you guys were going over Guy Fieri and discussing restaurant things and your <laughs> your 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 job um, eating uh, baking lobster pizza, which I was like, what the fuck does that taste like? You also said you were working at the gym, and I wanted to know what you were doing at the gym. I was teaching spin classes. No And way. yes, I was. Uh, and I'm a, I'm actually a pretty serious cyclist. Me and me and the guy that that's in that interview, he's the person that we. The it's it's you got it's been uh put off. It's coming up soon now. Last year we were supposed to it was as part of the podcast. He's co-hosted uh, a few episodes. We were going to get on our bicycles and ride from Nashville to Los Angeles. Holy shit! With tents. And just camp the whole way, like, and then occasionally stop in a hotel to upload a podcast episode. Oh uh, my god, that's awesome! Then, well, my appendix exploded the week oh, we were no. going to leave. Oh yeah, no! It, it, was, it was really, really bad. Uh, yeah. uh, so I'm glad you're okay. That's horrible. Oh, thanks. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I had a surgery. I had a, like I had to stay in the hospital for a little bit too because it was like yeah, I didn't realize I had appendicitis, so it was like it had already kind of like started to burst by the time oh, i was oh in there You're so like, they had like they're like i went from the er to straight into emergency surgery holy shit so that put that trip to an end and then yeah we, we tried to like go ahead and salvage it and then he had an emergency because like it took me about a month to heal mm -hmm. but i wasn't training it actually would have been pretty pretty rough getting back out there trying to do you know a bike ride it's like it takes like a month to ride a bike from nashville to los angeles so oh that would have been God. a pretty tough after like weeks of bed rest <laughs> but we were gonna do it anyway and then he had an then he had an emergency so this year we're back on it oh uh, my god anyway uh i'm sorry i've really tangented there no but wait because when i said i taught spin classes at, at that gym <laughs> well this is amazing like now this is like this nugget is like i like we'll have to come when i come back to this podcast with my next book i want you to, to do <laughs> i want us to do the podcast with us both on our bikes because like i'm really like like teaching a spin class is so much like podcasting don't you yeah. think yeah I, I think i i felt like a lot a lot of times it felt like stand-up comedy yes the way, it's the like way i did it it's like a combo. I would love, I would love to, um, yeah, I think you should do. I, yeah, I first started teaching. I was in college. It was the first time I was teaching a spin class. I was going to another gym and my friend was, she taught spin there. And I would like went to her class and she was like, she was like, you know, you could do this. And I was like, yeah, probably could. And then she got me to like come up and like co-teach one. And so then I went and like got like my CPR certification I, back because I used to be a lifeguard, but I got, you know, but all that stuff had expired. So I got my CPR and my trainer certification and all that stuff. And that's how I started teaching that. And then at school, it was funny because when I first started, they had like, I think they had 12 spin bikes, just kind of mm -hmm. like for spin classes. And because of me, and I don't want to sit here and brag, <laughs> but because of me, the guy that ran the gym uh, ordered 30 new spin bikes. And they're not cheap, but because my class was so popular and they couldn't you know, get so amazing well, it started you know so every time i would teach a class it was like there was never a bike left over and the people would still get turned away so, oh my god dude it, i can't believe you gave up your like lucrative spin star career you could have been like a <laughs> spin star like money Pel money priest. yeah yeah come on it's funny you should mention that i actually just recently had it just a, an epiphany that i was so happy working in gyms that i will be uh probably returning to the gym industry this fall awesome so I, still got, I still got some connects and yeah there's one gym uh it got bought by another gym like i worked at a world gym yeah and then it got bought by this kind of like uh wealthier kind of boutique style thing that's more like an equinox yeah and but they have a a boxing program there but mm -hmm. like i started that when i when i worked there so i'm just gonna walk in there and i'll be like hey this that's me. It's mine. I was like, yeah, this is mine. These these punching bags. <laughs> I don't know if they're still the same ones, but you know, I was like, I set, you know, I set this this whole thing up, you know. Awesome. I designed the whole program that you guys teach here, so I assume with enough yeah. of that kind of bluster, they'll just let me right back in the door. Oh anyway. my god! Oh my god! I was just yeah yeah confidence. It's important. Go. Is for there anything it. else? Oh my god! No no. 
we covered a lot. Buy my book. I forgot to say that. It's really oh, good. I yeah. worked hard on it and I hope you like it. Yeah. Absolutely. The Means by Amy Fusselman. By the way, uh, she will be linked on all my socials when this comes out. So if you follow me, it'll be easy to follow her. And at the end, we'll also just go over uh, everybody following you again. But before that, imagine the sound of lightning striking. The lightning round is the part of the show. It's, it's the game portion. It's where I ask you questions super fast. And okay. you've got no time to think. Okay. Not cerebral. It's not intellectual. This is completely mm -hmm. gut reaction. Got straight it. Straight from the heart. And we're just going to jump right into it. First one is, uh, oh, this is a multiple choice. So that should be a little bit easier. Do you think that it is more likely, less likely, or equally as likely for a shipping container house to be haunted? Oh, as... more, li more likely. More sure. likely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's Damn. the backstory. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. Shipping container houses are more likely to be haunted. <laughs> uh, hypothetically. If uh, if you decided to write some historical fiction, what is your favorite old-timey insult? Oh, my God. Well, I heard somebody call the See You Next Tuesday. See You Next Tuesday? Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, you're a New Yorker. I just had to ask this because it's it's a it's a hot debate, you know, and mm -hmm. it's it's been up for, you know, been out for decades nobody's ever really really nailed it down but i think today we will mm -hmm. what's the best song that's specifically about what a great city new york is oh my god um new york's all right if you like saxophones by <laughs> by fear <laughs> but that I've song that's a terrible <laughs> it's because it's not about how great new york is okay. new york's all right if you want to uh get pushed in front of the subway new york's all right if you want to freeze to death <laughs> yeah no yeah okay <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with the old uh new york new york yeah frank sinatra's a classic yeah it's it's, it's uh uplifting yeah I, I or dirty old town is not about new york but i feel like we can claim it yeah by the pogues yeah i think a like a really mass yeah po you know massively popular is the is the alicia keys jay-z uh, empire I state know. but i'm not I a big know. fan i'm not either you know, I'm and, not. And I want to like it, but I don't. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. <laughs> okay. While we're ranking things. <clears throat> yeah. Where would you rank Muppets Take Manhattan in the order of Muppet films? Oh, shit. I look, it's, it's one of the top three for sure. Yeah. You'd give it, um, a, you put it in the top three? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, it's, I mean, it's up there. It's so good, but I feel like it can't quite hit top three for me. Uh, one, of course, is Muppet Treasure Island, it, <laughs> which may, in fact, be my favorite movie of all time, period, oh of any genre. I don't uh, know if I've watched Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, my God. Tim Curry yeah. is uh, Long John Silver. It is. It's out, it's out of control. It's, it's okay. one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to have to put the great Muppet caper above it, too. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I might even have to put Muppet Wizard of Oz ahead of it. Wow, I didn't I did not know that you were a I'm a, I'm a Muppet head. <laughs> yeah, a Muppet head. That's good to know. Uh Ashanti plays uh Dorothy in Muppet Wizard of Oz. Oh, that sounds like an excellent casting choice. Well, I know yeah. you got kids and you said I mean I don't know if they're I know. They're... What did what did they watch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's still plenty of time to force them to, to watch a ton of Muppets. Oh <laughs> uh, I'll work on that. Yeah. The most important question I have to ask you, Amy, is yes. where can people find you? Where can they find your book, all mm. your work, everything? Everything. They can't find me because I'm hiding <laughs> in my shipping container. You're going to have but to search I... every shipping container on the planet if you want to find Amy. <laughs> I'm exactly. No, but I, I, am, I post um, occasionally on Instagram under my name, Amy Fusselman. Yeah. That's cool. social media stuff. Yeah. All right. And the book, the means and the S is a money sign at the end it's of the It's a means. dollar sign. I fought for that dollar sign, Doug McDonald. Well, I'm yeah. glad you fought for it because it's it's awesome. It looks good. I just it it just pops off that page. Yeah. I I really love the cover. I just all together like it's like the ocean. It says the the beach says means. And then 
all the shipping container houses are like are over in some grass. With your name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. It goes down. Yeah. Amy, cool. it, it has been a pleasure talking with you. I loved yeah. reading your book. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, letting me read your book and talk to you about it. Thanks so much, Doug. This is a ball that really enjoyed meeting you. Have a good afternoon. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. On the road again. Well, hey, good buddies, it's Big Rig Doug here again. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Let me tell you something. Amy's book doesn't even hit bookshelves until next month. I got an advanced copy because I'm a very special boy. But if you're going to want to try and get a copy of this book, you're going to have to, you know, pre-order it or wait until it hits uh, bookstores, your, your local bookstore. Hey, if you want to contact me, you can hit me up at myviewsaremyown.com. Or on Instagram at myviewsaremyown underscore podcast. Or on Twitter at myviews underscore podcast. Or you could just hit me up on your CB radio. Adios, muchachos. This is Big Rig Doug signing off. 10-4, over and out.